Okay. So we are so today's daf is noon in Pesachim and we are on Memtet. We are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines, I think, from the or eight lines from the bottom. Right? Vechen Mishyatza was talking about Kazayit Kabitza. Person realizes that they have <coughs> some chametz in their house and they are in the middle of a mitzvah. They don't want to go back. They want to do bitul chametz, right? Or the person's carrying besar kodesh or carrying the meat of a korban with them outside of Yerushalayim. They have to burn it. On how much? Ideally, they should go back if they haven't passed a certain distance. Uh, how far? How much requires them to go back? So one said a kazait, one said kabitza. Uh, so so it, it, that was in the uh, on the previous amud. Right, so the Mishnah said that according to Rabbi Meir said a kabetzah is required for both, in both chametz and, and also for Bisar Kodesh. Anything less than a kabetzah, you don't have to go back in any case. Rabbi Yehuda said in both cases a kazait, you have to go back. Chachamim said for the, for the korban, a kazait. For chametz, kabetzah. Um, so that's a little bit more lenient for the case of the chametz than it is for the kazait. That's the idea. Right? So the, um, so the, uh, so, now the Gemara is going to discuss this machloket here. It says like this. So according to our Mishnah, it's very interesting. Rabbi Meir is the one who's setting the measurement as kabetza, which is an egg size. And it is Rabbi Yehuda that's using kazait. But we see that they have the exact opposite position somewhere else. Because it says, How much requires Birkat Hamazon? Right? Ad Kazait. So the Tanakama, which is presumed to be Rabbi Meir, says, Ad Kazait. Rabbi Yehuda Omer Ad Kabetzas. Over there, Rabbi Yehuda is the one that says, No, 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 it's not considered Chashuv. It's not Achila Chashuva, important eating, until it's at least a, a, a Kabetza. Right? And, and, and over there, so over there, Rabbi Meir says, No, Kazait is Chashuv. A kazait is important. Rabbi Yudas says, no, 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 it has to be kabitza. So, what? Right, it's smaller. So why here is he saying kabitza? Why over here is saying kabitza? Over there is saying kazait. Right? Why are they switching? So, I'm Rabbi Yochanan, mukhlevet ashita. Rabbi Yochanan says it's a typo. You have to switch it around. Right? So, I, we, we want to make it consistent. So, it must be that that bright over there, mukhlevet ashita, we have to switch it around and say that really, over there it was Rabbi Meir that said kabitza, and it was Rabbi Yehuda that said kazai, because otherwise, how is it going to fit with our Mishnah? Why here would they switch positions? But Abayes says, no, you don't have to do that, because Atam, over there, here is a different issue. Here is what measurement is chashuv. What measurement is significant? Okay? And over here we're saying that according to Rabbi Meir, Kabetza is significant. According to Rabbi Yehuda, um, according, uh, here rather, uh, Rabbi Meir is, is saying that uh, Kabetza is significant. Yeah, and Rabbi Yehuda is the one who's saying a, a Kazait. Right? So th- that's, that's in this case. But over there, they're arguing about a Pasuk, a specific Pasuk related to Berkat Amazon. In other words, they don't have to have the same position on every single subject. Over here, it's a question of what is considered a significant amount for the mitzvah of either burning the, uh, the pasul korban or for the mitzvah of getting rid of the chametz, what's considered a significant amount. That's a different question than birkat hamazon. It's a different, it's a different area. So they have a different position. When, how do we know that? Because, because over here, it's a, a question of theory of, and, uh, and logic. Over there, it's a question of the pasuk. How so? Because Rabbi Meir interprets the pasuk as, as follows. Because we know the pasuk. 
says you have to eat and you are satisfied and then you say Birkat Amazon. So how does Rabbi Meir understand Pasuk? He says, So achalta means eat. Vesavata, what does Vesavata mean? Zoshtia, that means you drink, right? So you eat and you drink. Vachila bikazait. And what does usually the word achila mean? It means kazait. Everywhere in the Torah, achila means kazait. It always means an olive's worth. Always. So why should it be any different? So Birkat Amazon, says, it goes by kazait. Okay, and Rabbi Yehuda sabar v'yachalta v'savata. Rabbi Yehuda puts the two words together. V'yachalta v'savata means not just a regular achila, but achila sheyesh basvi'a. What is that? That's v'kabetzah. In other words, according to Rabbi Yehuda, he's reading the pasuk to upgrade the level of what is required. So Rabbi Meir is reading the pasuk. It says achalta. That means kazait. Right, so right, so we don't have to switch anything. Over there, it's a different question. It's a question of the pasuk. According to Rabbi Meir, ve'achalta means kazait, regular meaning. And Rabbi Yudas says no, ve'achalta v'savata means it's more than a regular eating. It's a it, it's a kabetza. But in other places, it, he wouldn't apply that rule. Okay, now over here, it's a question of logic. Rabbi Meir ketumato. Over here, Rabbi, Rabbi Meir is applying the rules of Tum'ah. What is the rule of Tum'ah of foods? The Tum'ah foods you need in order to become Tamei needs at least a Kabetzah. It needs more. Right? Over here, we're dealing with the entity of the Korban. We're not dealing with an act of eating. It's a different thing. The act of eating goes by Kazayit. But what is a substance, an amount of substance that's significant is a different question. The amount of substance that's significant is kabetza because that's how much can become tamay. So over by Birkat Hamazon, Rabbi Meir will say that achila is kazayit, but over here he's going to say a significant amount of something is a kabetza. And Rabbi Yudas Savar chazarat Rabbi Yudas says, no, the prohibition is what we look at. And what is the prohibition? That ma isuro bekazayit, af chazarato bekazayit. We look at what is the prohibition. In other words, the person who eats a pasul korban, or a person who eats chametz, how much does he have to eat? Kazayit. So Rabbi Yudha says, so how much do you have to go back to destroy? Kazayit. So they're two totally different things. Rabbi Yudha will say, when it comes to chametz, I'm looking at the, or it comes to the pasul korban, I look and I say, how much would you violate the prohibition? That's a kazait. Okay, so that's how much you have to go back. When it comes to Birkat Amazon, it says, It's a different thing. It has to be a more than a regular achila. That's different. Rabbi Meir says, the opposite. He says, It says, regular That's it. But when it comes to Tum'ah, or it comes to Chametz that you're removing, it goes by the entity. How much is an important object? Forget about the act of eating it. You're not talking about the act of eating it. You're talking about destroying. So there we go by Kabetza. Now, interesting, Tosafot here says, and most of the commentaries, most of the Rishonim agree with this pr- point of Tosafot here, which is that this whole discussion, even between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir, is only midirabanat, because actually we, us- we say, according to almost all the Rishonim, there are, there, there are you know, dissenters like everything else, but there's, uh, the, the, uh, the majority consensus of the Rishonim is that actually in order to be obligated min ha-Torah in Birkat Amazon, you have to have actually before. And that the, the idea of kazayit or kabetzah is only dirabanan, because actually the Gemara says in Masachet Bachot that Hashem praised the Jewish people, that even though they only need to do Birkat Hamazon Torah when they're full, they're machmir, they're, they're strict on themselves to say it even with, with a kazayit and kabetzah. So it's really just a rabbinic requirement of Birkat Hamazon when you have one piece of bread, you know, a small bite. You have to be full in order to require Birkat Hamazon Torah. So this is really only a dirabanan question, according to most of the, uh, almost 
almost everyone. There is one position that says, no, that the rabbis are saying it. This is the definition that the Torah is giving you, you know, it means that you, you an act of eating. But, the, but most of the, uh, the Chachamim say that, uh, most of the, even the Rishonim say that this is rabbinic. But either way, now, Rabbi Natan says, Tanya says, Rabbi Natan he says, no, both of them are two bitsim. In, in order to have to go back to destroy the chametz, or in order to have to go back to uh, destroy the korban, burn the korban, you need two bitsim. Okay, but nobody agreed with him anyway. That's why it's not even mentioned in the Mishnah. Now we go to a pasuk in Zechariah about, uh, about uh, the times of Mashiach. It says in times of Mashiach, um, it says there's going to be, um, it says, lo or yikarot vekipaon. It says there will not be or yikarot vekipaon. We never know what these psukim mean. These, these prophecies are very vague in their meaning. Rashi says, Since we're talking about Yerushalayim, going back there to burn korbanot and so on, right? Because we talked about exiting Jerusalem with the korban and having to go back. So it goes on that topic. It says, It goes on to this discussion about, Since it's going to talk about the expansion of Yerushalayim and the Imot HaMashiach. So therefore, and it talked about leaving the gates of Jerusalem and having to bring back the korban. So it brings this pasuk from Zechariah that talks about the future world. It says, Yekarot Kipaon. Okay, it says that it'll be So what does it mean? My sounds like it means heavy, and kipaon they're going to interpret to mean light. Now in the meaning, uh, meaning kal, that type of light, the lightweight, right? Not not light in terms of or, right? Yeah. So it means the uh, the the idea that kaved vekal. Okay, the heavy and, and light, that type of light. So that, that's how they're going to interpret it. In the context of the Pasuk, it has a different, it seems like a different meaning, but this is the drasha. So it says, Amrabi Elazar, Ze'or Sheyakar This is referring to light, which is heavy in this world, meaning it's very hard to come by light, meaning wisdom, light. Very hard to come by it in this world, but in Olam Abba, in the times of Mashiach, it will be very easy. Everything will be, everyone will be enlightened. Everything will be easy to come by. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Elo Negaim Ba'olot. This is actually a reference to the areas of Torah that are the hardest. Negaim is the Masechet, the masechet of Taurot that deals with, uh, with Tzara'at and all of that. Ohalot has to do with the Tumat, Tumat Met and everything. The most difficult subject, Sheyikarin in Ba'olam Nowadays, it's so difficult, so heavy, so difficult to understand, but but in the future, and Yomot HaMashiach will be so easy, everybody will know the Torah so well, it will be so simple for them to understand. Rabbi Yosho ben Levi Amar, Rabbi Yosho ben Levi said, Elo bene Adam, these are people that are considered significant nowadays, but in the future, in Yomot HaMashiach, they're going to be considered nothing, meaning there are some people that right now, Everyone thinks that it's a big deal, but in the Yomot HaMashiach, they won't be. Ki had Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef ben Levi, like Rav Yosef, the son of Rav Yosef ben Levi, Chalash. This is a very, very famous, um, very, very famous story. But probably one of the most famous Agadot. Uh, 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 Actually, some of these that we've been reading are among the most famous. He, he got weak. He became very weak. Nagid. And he was actually like, um, like, you know, those people that have those, like, experiences. Yeah, he like, he's, it says he, he kind of like died and came back. You know how some people, they said, they said they, they, they momentarily died. He had died when he came back. It's like they have all these, this whole like genre of books of people that had these near death experiences. Oh, they saw light. They saw this, you know. He, he saw something. He said, what did you see? My chazit. Very famous. I saw the world was upside down. 
Right, he doesn't mean that he was on a roller coaster and he saw things upside down. Is it right? So it says, The people who are high here were low there, and vice versa. He said, No, you didn't see Olam Afuch. Olam Bohu said the correct that the people who are elevated and put on a pedestal today, they're really on the bottom. People who seem like they're on the bottom, really on the top. You know, you didn't see Afuch. It wasn't the opposite. It, you saw correctly. He said, How were we over there? So uh, she says, what does, it mean? what does it mean, us? It means, um, Talmidei Chachamim, you know, uh, how were they? Uh, how were they over there? He says, "Ki itino." He says that, that the same way, "Ki hechid itu anan hacha hachi itin anatab." He says the same that we are here, right? That, that we are there, meaning that there that the that, that it, there's no difference. That the Chachamim are are in a good place here. They're in a good place there. Okay, so but the people it does yeah, but the people of stature, I mean, the people of, of of social popularity, they're very high now. They'll be low there. The people who are low are will be high. But, but the, 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 the name who is higher than the other is not hafuch. Is no, no, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, the name is consistent. Huh? Yeah. Happy is the person who came here with his Talmud in his hand, meaning he, he learned Torah and he comes to Olam about Talmud with, with Torah. The people who died, the people who died, the martyrs, nobody can go into their area. They're the top of the top, right? So it says, uh, and, and he has a correction here. So where does the correction go? That it should say, oh, man, Ninhu, who are they? You're telling me that only Rabbi Akiva and his, and his associates that were Harugay Malchut, they, they're special in Olamba, but that's it? But they don't need the fact that they were Harugay Malchut. He's already Rabbi Akiva that makes him very high. He would be, uh, he would be on a very high level even without that. But it means, Ella Harugay Lod, it's talking about the Harugay Lod. There was a story of two brothers. That the the Jewish people there was a blood libel basically against them by the king claiming that the Jews had killed the, the princess or something like that, and so these two brothers like they offered to um, they they took it upon themselves right they uh, they said no no it was us it was us so that he would so that they would get killed to protect the rest of the Jewish people they offered themselves so those people even though they were just simple people they weren't Talmud uh, it wasn't Rabbi Akiva it was ordinary people but they wanted to protect the Jewish people yeah. In this story? It's the father and the son. Father and the son. Yeah. Okay. The son had like a near-death experience. Rav Yosef had a near-death experience. And his father was asking him, what did you see? <laughs> yeah. Rabbi, does it mean that people who were uh, killed in the Holocaust now would be in this mechitza? Uh, I, I can't judge that. You have to ask Hashem. <laughs> yeah, I have to ask Hashem about that. I have no idea. That's, uh, it's, this is, uh, first of all, this is talking about a story of people who gave themselves willingly. So I have no idea. I don't know. I, it's hard to judge. I, I think every every situation, every person is different. You have to only Hashem knows. But yeah, it says on the bells of. It's going to say in the future on the bells of every horse, Kodesh Lashem. Okay, so what is that? So so what? My mitzilotasus. What does it mean, mitzilotasus? They're interpreting it figuratively. Normally, really, what it means is like the the bells on the horses will say kodesh Hashem. But yeah, yeah, I'm Rabbi Yosho ben Levi, just married. You know, I'm Rabbi Yosho ben Levi. He said, 
that Hashem is going to expand the city of Yerushalayim to the point that a uh, horse runs and casts shade. What Rashi says is it means as far as a horse can run from 6 a.m. to noon, because that's when you have a shadow. At noon, high noon, there's no shadow because the sun is directly overhead. So it says as much as a horse can run for six hours, basically, that's how far the uh, it's going to expand. Rabbi Everything that is decorating a horse, meaning all of the beautiful things that they put on them, like the bells and things like that, will be given given as a uh, consecrated to the Beit Hamikdash. That's what it means. It will be written. It doesn't mean that the horses will have written on them Kodesh Hashem. It means that they will give or whatever decorations that they gave to the horses, because horses were like you have to like horses back then was considered like having a Lincoln Town car. I don't know what's what they have now. You know, whatever the fancy car, fanciest car is now. But like right, yes, Tesla, yeah, whatever it is. So that you know that so whatever decorations they had Bentley uh, whatever right so they so that was the the horse was like you know something like that was a vehicle right luxury vehicle so they would give whatever decoration they had they would give it to the Beit HaMikdash right that everything that they would capture when they would be battling against their enemies for the first six hours they would give it all as Kodesh Hashem that's what again according to this means the casting of shade of the horse meaning the first six hours of the battle they give it all to Hashem right so it makes sense to talk about the ca- what they capture in battle going to the Beit HaMikdash because it says that even the pots in the Beit HaMikdash will be as fancy as the Mizrakim from the Mizbech. In other words, the thing that they normally used to throw the blood on the Mizbech was gold and everything was fancy stuff. But what they used in the kitchen in the back didn't have to be fancy. So now it's saying it's going to be so much treasure that even, the, even what they use in the back in the kitchen, so to speak, is going to be fancy stuff, right? In the Beit Hamikdash, But according to the ones that say that either it's talking about the expansion of Yerushalayim or it's talking about the uh, giving of the uh, what's on the horses to the Beit Hamikdash, so then what would that have to do with making the pots fancy in the Beit Hamikdash? What's the connection between the first part and the second part? And it says it's just a different thing. The saying that. That the Jewish people will become so well. It's two different things. One thing is they'll give their horses luxury decorations and or that they will expand Yerushalayim and the other thing is that they'll have so much wealth that even the back of the kitchen will in the Beit HaMikdash will have fancy pots. Okay. My It says there will not be any more Kenani. It doesn't mean uh, a Canaanite. It means Kenani means a merchant. There won't be any more Socharim. They won't have any more merchants there uh, uh, in in the uh, in the Bet Hashem Tzivaot, right? So why did they had merchants around buying, selling things in the right on the temple uh, grounds? They Amazon won't have that anymore, huh? Amazon only. Yeah, exactly. Everyone will be on Amazon or you know uh, whatever it is, right? So the. Um, they, they, so, so what does it mean there won't be any Kenani either way like what's the connection between their, you know if you say in other words if you say it has to do with the uh, that they captured a lot of biza they captured a lot of treasure so they won't need any more they won't have to buy any more stuff because, and buying and selling they won't need to do because they will be independently wealthy the better Mikdash they won't need any more but it would be like we won't have to sell the, the kavod of the uh, of the different things in the in the synagogue anymore because there's so much money they don't need it anymore imagine like that's what it's saying you won't need to do anything else from the can- conquering of the enemies it's saying they'll conquer the enemies they will take the wealth they won't even need so like they will conquer Iran Bezrat Hashem soon and then they will take all the oil 
and everything, they will be billionaires, and then they won't need to sell any more. Uh, why would you need to sell Pitiha now? You have uh, billions of dollars, right? So that's the idea. There won't be any Kanani. So it says, Am Rabbi Kanani. What does Kanani mean? It means En Kanani. There won't be any more poor people. Hey, so it's a separate thing. It's not just saying that there won't be merchants in the Beit Hamikdash because they'll have so much money. It's saying there won't be any. It, it'll be so the the society will be wealthy enough that there won't be any poor people. How do you know that the merchant is called Kenani? Because it says that Yehuda married Bat Ish Kenani. And my Kenani, you're telling me a Kenani means Ilema Kenani Mamash. You think that Yehuda married the daughter of an actual Kenani, a Canaanite? You think after all that, Abraham worked to make sure that, his ki- that Yitzchak didn't marry a Kenani and Yitzchak made sure that Yaakov didn't marry and that Yehuda would just go and forget that and marry a Kenani? No, it means It means it was a, um, it was a, uh, a merchant. That he, was a, he was a successful merchant because Kenani. We say it in the... We say it in Eshet uh, You think it means that every woman went to find a Canaanite to give the uh, belt? It doesn't mean a Canaanite ethnic. Canaanite means Canaanite means a merchant. That's all. Canaanite, right? So the Chetiv Canaan biyado moznei mirma. It says that uh, the merchant who is bad has moznei mirma in his hand. He has deceitful scales to trick people, right? Another pasuk says that the merchants were princes and that the, the honored, they were honored, the Kena'anim were honored, meaning Kena'ani here, it would be like you use the term gypsy or something like that. Like, even though gypsy has like an ethnic meaning, it came to mean like these sort of traveling groups that it doesn't have anything to do with their ethnicity. So probably a lot of Kena'anim were Sukharim, a lot of them were probably uh, merchants. So the term ended up meaning Merchant, but it doesn't, it doesn't have an ethnic meaning anymore in the context. Okay, now, it's very, very famous. Again, obviously, Pasuka, we say every single day, right? Uh, that Hashem will be king over the whole world. Who are you telling me Hashem is not one now? What is Hashem now? You're saying on that day Hashem will be one? What does that mean? The times of Mashiach are different than today because nowadays, if something get bad happens, we say Dayan Ha'emet. Something good happens, we praise God, we thank Him. But in the future, we'll say always meaning we will see every Hashem Echad means when we experience Hashem. Right? So we experience the good and the bad. We don't see from his perspective that everything ultimately is good. We don't see it. In Yemad HaMashiach, we will have an understanding that even if it's bad for, we think it's bad for us, we won't look at it that way. We'll look at it always from Hashem's perspective, so to speak. Hashem Echad means we don't see Hashem sometimes our enemy, sometimes our friend, sometimes our father, sometimes punishing us. We will see it as one. Okay? That's the idea. Ushmo Echad. What does it mean Hashem will have one name? Ma Echad. Atu Ayyid. And I love Shemo Echadu. Are you saying Hashem doesn't have one name now? Amarav Nachmah Yitzchak. Lok Olam Azeh Olam Abba. It's different. Olam Azeh and Olam Abba. Meaning nowadays in the future. Because Olam Azeh Nechtav B'Yodei. B'Nekab Alef Dalet. How do we read Yud Kevav Kei? We read it as Adonai. We don't read it as it's written. Right? Avala Olam Abba. Kulo Echad. Nikra B'Yodei. V'Nechtav B'Yodei. In the future we're all going to use the Yud Kevav Kei it says. Because what is the idea? Again, the Rambam explains it and the Ibn Ezra explains it. A lot of the Mefarshim explain this concept. The Sephorno and the Chumash explains it. This is a, something that all of our Rishonim explain to us that the names of Hashem are all really descriptions of His relationship to, to the world except for Yudke Vavke. 
In other words, everything is Adon means he's the master. Master of what? Of the of the universe. He's a relationship. Right? Tzivaot means that everything in the universe is, is his army. It's his it belongs to him. Right? We El Elyon. El means force, means power. Elohim means judge or also power, a type of a type of authority. But it's relative to something. You can't be a shofet over nothing. You can't be a don over nothing. You can't be it's it's the relationship that he has. That, but Yudke Vavke means he was, he is, he always will be. That's what Yudke Vavke means. So that's why they would translate it in the old Chumashim as the eternal. Right? If you look in the old Chumashim in English, the eternal one said this. Because really that's what it means. It means the uh, eternal. Right? That's the only name that you never find. It's not, you will never find that name ascribed to anything else. Tzivaot, you could have Tzivaot as an army. Right? You can have Tzivaot, all kinds of Tzivaot. You can have Elohim, which means judges, human judges. You can have El, that means Elohim Achirim, it can mean other gods. Right? It doesn't always mean Hashem. It could be applied to anything. Adon could be uh, any master. But we apply it to Hashem. But there's no Yud Kevavke except for Hashem. So that's the proper name of Hashem. And so then you would never have, let's say you can have Elohecha. Or you can say Elohecha, meaning your God. But you would never say your Yud Kevavke. You never attach any other, uh, any other thing to it. Because in Hebrew, when, when there's a definite article, you never have, a, uh, you never have any... Uh, a suffix or, or anything like that. So in any case, so that's what it's saying. It's saying in the, it, now we see Hashem mediated through how He acts in the world and we, we, we describe His different ways of acting in the world, but we don't really understand Hashem in the pure sense. But in the future... So any time that you use this thing? Only in the Bet HaMikdash, you know. Okay. The, uh, yeah, only, 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 on Yom Kippur, only during Birkat Kohanim they used to use it. Uh, until the times of Shimon HaTzadik, they started to phase it out. Of doing the, on the daily Birkat Kohanim, they used to use it. They started to lower the amount that they did that. And on Yom Kippur, like we know that the Kohen Gadol would use, you know, Kohanim Ve'am, you know, in the, in the Avodat Yom Kippur. So, so you said it's going to be in Bet HaMikdash, but going to be Bet Saying everybody will just use that name because they have such a high understanding of Hashem in the future that it will be, uh, it will be understood what it means. Now we reserve it because we're saying we don't really understand that. That We can't comprehend it. It's beyond our, our ability. You know? Just like we say Hatova Metiv and Dayana Emet because we can't lie. You can't say, oh, this is really Hatova Metiv if you don't mean it. You have to mean it. So if the, you know, in the future where we really have an understanding that everything is good, that Hashem is, you know, like it says Tov Me'od What does it say in the Midrash? Zoa Mita. Even death is good. Yeah, it won't be overpopulation. I mean, it's hard for us to relate to that, but in Hashem's view, it's, it's good. We just can't see it. So we bless on what we understand. When our understanding is higher, we can bless differently. So it says the Nevi'im said, they, they, they said, it says, Hanorah. They said, but people are not in awe of you. The world is so bad. They wanted to take out Hanorah. They wanted to take out Hagibor. They wanted to take out the, because they said, if it's not true, how can you say it? Right? So, but anyway, so the uh, so that's call it. themselves Jehovah's Witness, for example, they are made in the name of Hashem. Well, they're but they're wrong, but yeah, wrong. But I mean, if <laughs> they've been correct, it's not a J, be, right? Um, they their thing is they don't like that we don't use the name of Hashem. I used to speak. I used to have these Jehovah's Witnesses come to my house every other week, and they would sit and talk with me for hours. <laughs> and they said to me one time. They said, uh, how come you Jewish people, you don't say God's name? You know, what's wrong with you Jews? You don't want to say God's name. You should say it. You should say it. And they showed me, the, they had a quote from the Mishnah, you know, in Sanhedrin. Um, you know, you're not supposed to say it. 
And I said to them, yeah, well, I said, he said, they said, you know, he's your father. He's your, he's your creator. Why don't you say his name? And I said, I said to them, um, do you call your father by his first name? <laughs> they said, uh, no, why would, that's disrespectful. I said, so you won't call your own father by his first name, but you want to call the father of the whole creation by his first name? What kind of a idiot? Them, Rabbi. No, but they, they cha- <laughs> they're very good at changing the subject when you catch them. <laughs> anyway, we'll go further. Now, yeah, anyway, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so Rava wanted to, uh, Rava wanted to teach this in the, uh, in the, uh, in the shiur about the name of Hashem. Meaning he wanted to teach the correct way and the meaning. It's, it's, it's amazing that he knew and he wanted to teach it. It says he wanted to teach the reading of the Yudke Vavke name and the Ta'ame, and it says, <laughs> that the secret meaning of the name, he wanted to divulge it. But they said no. Maybe it was the Yawa Navi they always say, right? How a certain elder said to him, Le'alem Ketiv. That was in this week's parasha. Zeshmi Le'olam. That Hashem said, This is my true name. He tells to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he says, But it's written not Le'olam with a Vav. It's written Le'alem, meaning to hide it. You have to hide it. You can't just, uh, wow. can't share. Right? So that says, Le'alem Ketiv. Rabbi Avina Rame. On one hand, it says le'alem, which you tell me means to hide it, but it also says It's how I'm going to be remembered. So how can it be rem- the way that Hashem is remembered with Yurkei Vavke if we're not allowed to say the name? What's the answer? It is rem- it, the, the name is there. We just don't say it. In other words, the way that I'm written, I'm not spoken. That I'm written with Yudei, but I'm I'm spoken with Aleph Dalit, which means to say that it's not hidden completely, it is Zichri Ledordor because it's written there as Yudke Vavke. But it's not pronounced because it shows that we don't fully understand that name. We can't access that name. And like I gave the analogy to those uh, missionaries, but the idea is like if it's beyond your understanding, there's a respect that you don't say the name. And... Um, and that's why. So Hadran Alach Elu Ovrin. That's the conclusion of the. Because, because if the level of understanding was so high that people really understood what it meant, so that would do a change. Yeah. So now Makom Shenagu, very famous new perk. That was what they had back then. They used to teach it as Torah Shabbat Alpeh. Yeah. So it doesn't get forgotten, right? What? That name, this name, they used to teach it. Yeah. But the Rambam explains It's not the saying of the name. It's magical. It's the meaning of the name that was very deep. The meaning of them. Like it says, even Rashi says here, he says that he wanted to teach the ta'amim atluyimba. He wanted to teach the meaning of the significance of the name. It's very, very deep. So the Rambam spends many, many chapters in Moran Nebuchim explaining, hinting to what the deep meaning of his name is. That's beyond our understanding. But saying like, you know, it's not the word, it's not there's a magic word of God's name. It's that there is a meaning to it that's very deep. That is, you know, that, that they didn't want to cheapen it by making everyone just say it. Because when you just say the name all the time, it loses its power, loses its significance. Yeah, that's the other thing. I don't want to get too far off the daf. Well, let's, let's come back to that. Now, So it says, now this is, come, this parak is going to deal with different minhagim that were prevalent in times of the Gemara, uh, but it's relevant to minhagim in general. So it actually has a lot of general significance. So in a place where they had the minhag of doing lacha on Erev Pesach Ar Chatzot, meaning the morning of Erev Pesach, could you go to work? So they had places where they had a minhag not to, a place where they had a minhag that you were allowed to. So ar-chatot osir. So then you could do it. But if you live in a place where they do not do mlacha even in the morning of Erev Pesach, then you should not. Now it's not talking about doing mlacha like turning on a light. It means doing mlacha like 
building, uh, you know, construction and uh, weaving and intense, intense melacha. It's talking about the, com- it's the community. Makom, says Makom. They're talking only about the morning. The morning, yeah. So, so in the afternoon, everyone stopped working. Yeah, exactly. Now that, that says, Alech mi makom she'osin l'makom she'inosin, o mi makom she'inosin l'makom she'osin, notnin alav chumrei ha'makom she'yatsa, misham chumrei ha'makom she'alachasha. If a person goes from one place to another, he gets the double whammy. So if he goes from a place where they permit doing work in the morning of Pesach, but he goes to a place where they do not permit it on Erev Pesach, so then he has to observe the stringency where he has arrived. But if he comes from a place where they are strict not to do melacha in the morning and he comes to a lenient place, he still has to keep his own minhag from his own makom. He can't, he can't change. Um, what? For, noon. for it's just for till noon of the no, day. While he's there. While he's there. Yeah, while well, he's there. Yeah. Now it says, A person should not change from deviate from the practice because of machloket. It's going to cause conflict between people. This is talking about halacha of shmita, which is that you're only you're allowed to gather the produce of the shmita for eating purposes, but you're only allowed to keep the produce of that year as long as there is still. That, that same type of fruit available in the field. We've learned about it before. Right? It has to be that you're equal to the rest of the creatures around. So therefore, as long as there's still, I don't know, I'm just making this up, uh, apples uh, in the field, so the animals could have apples, so you could keep the apples in your house. Uh, once the apples are gone from the field, then you have to get them out of your house also. That's the rule of bi'ur of Shemitah. So the idea is if you, in your neighborhood, there was plenty of whatever this vegetable or fruit or whatever apple, was, apple. right? In it, it's still available, so you had it, and you're bringing it with you to a new place, but in that place, there isn't any available for the animals. So they're not allowed to be, uh, uh, to have that fruit anymore from Shemitah because for them uh, there's none available for the animals or vice versa you come from a place where they didn't have it and you come from, to a place where they do so again the same thing it says so he says in that case you can't be if you can't even if you come to a place where it's more strict or you came from a place where it's more strict either way you can't keep those fruits right Rabbi Yehuda says you know um, he says that uh, the Gemara is going to explain exactly what this means go and bring it for yourself too and the Gemara will explain what it means is since it's available somewhere why can't you know why does it have to be limited by place in other words, it's a little bit different. The case of Shemitah is a little bit different because the case of Shemitah is, uh, is that if in your area, it's not available to the animals. But what defines your area? It's not like a practice that you have a minhaga makom of not doing lacha in the morning. It's a physical reality. So, why, so maybe the fact that there are apples available in your town, I should also be able to eat apples. We'll see. The Gemara will explain it. But in any case, the point is minhaga makom, that if a person comes from a place where it's more strict, or he goes to a place where it's more strict, he's going to have to observe both. Now, the Gemara says, Why does it only mention here Erev Pesach? Even even on Erev Shabbat and Erev Pesach, and Erev Yom Tov in general, it's prohibited to do Malachan. Now, Rashi explains that it's talking about in the afternoon, meaning after Chatzot, there's always a, 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 a practice not to be doing heavy work starting in the afternoon, Erev Shabbat and Erev Yom Tov. So, and the implication of our Mishnah is that the only difference where it's a, a matter of Minhag is in the morning. But once you get to Chatzot, everybody agrees you have to stop doing Malachan. Right? So, but that's on all holidays. And all Shabbatot. So it says, the answer is that, uh, and it says, the time we learned in the Bible, I will send Lacha Barve Shabbatot Yamim Tovi, Mena Mincha Olemala, Eno Esimam Bachaleolam. It says, if a person does work in the afternoon from Minchan on, 
on Erev Yom Dov, Erev Shabbat, he's never going to see any blessing from it because he, uh, he's doing work when he really should be preparing and focusing on the holiday coming in. So it says, So the way Rashi interprets it is that there's a difference. On, on Shabbat and Yom Tov, ordinarily, you have to stop doing Melacha around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, meaning a few hours before the ninth hour and on. Mincha Ketana, we call it. Right? The later Mincha. Here we're talking about from Chatzot. So Erev Pesach is more strict. Why? Because the Korban Pesach started to be offered at Chatzot of Erev Pesach. Right? Erev Chag. That was when they started to offer the Korban Pesach. was starting from Ben Arbaim, which means starting from 12 o'clock. That's, or noon. You know, that's when they would start to offer it. So that's when there was Yisrael Melacha. But on other Chagim, as a few hours before, you have to stop doing Melacha. It's not the whole period of time. Like, well, In, it's not applicable. Today we don't have Korban Pesach. Right, but we still keep it because it still has like a quasi Yom Tov uh, status. Inami hatam siman b'chahu tela chazei. Or alternatively, what it's saying is that oh, by other chagim, the only po- the only problem is that you won't see a siman b'chav al shemot ilo mishametina le. But we don't put you into cherem for doing it. Hachas shemot ilo mishametina le. Here we actually put you, we excommunicate you because you're disrespecting the korban pesach. It's a different day, right? So so may, maybe the maybe the both of them have the same period of time. Meaning the whole afternoon, it's better not to be doing in, intense work if you have the choice. You know, on erev shabbat erev yom tov, but on pesach it's different because it's more strict. Kufa. We go back to what we said before. Hashem lachab arvei shabbat. Right, it says a person who does melachan erev Shabbat, erev Yom Tov in the afternoon, or right after Shabbat, right after Yom Tov, right after Yom Kippur, any place where there's nidnud avera. In other words, he immediately wants to end the Shabbat. Boom, go to the next thing. Right, he, he, it's not saying he did on Shabbat or on Yom Tov, on Yom Kippur, but he doesn't add anything to the Shabbat Yom Kippur. He's like runs right away. He's disrespecting the Shabbat. Right, so it says la atuye tanitzibur, which comes to include a tanitzibur, which is like tisha be'av. We only have one real tanitzibur, full tanitzibur, which is tisha. These people don't see any blessing from this malacha, that they're not respecting Shabbat, they're not respecting Yom Tov, they're not respecting the fast by engaging malacha. Not necessarily Asur. On the other Tanyot, it's permitted to work. Because uh, it's only, uh, we don't have any, it says, We only have one Tanit Sibur that's a full Tanit Sibur, which is Tisha uh, B'Av, the other ones are not. But they would have, you know, in those times, yeah, for that Siyot Shamim, they would have a series of Taniyot that would get further and further intense, more and more intense. And it talks about Masechet Tani. The, and at a certain point, they start closing the stores, they start closing the, uh, they start... To, they were full in, over there also like the, like the Shabbat? By the end. I mean, the first couple of rounds, no. The first first three are only done by the Chachamim, and then the third, the second three are like uh, our type of fasting, today of Asra, of like Asra David, and then they became more intense. The only Melacha you're allowed to do is to start building the sukkah. Right, right after you. Yeah, but even that, you have to wait a few minutes. You don't, you, you wait a few minutes after. It's, he's saying Motzei Yom Kippur, like the minute that it says on the time, you're already in the, you're already running to the Melacha. It's, it's not talking about the whole night. Tanu Rabbanan. Yes, there is Veniskar. A person could be very, uh, uh, very. Uh, Zariz is hard to translate, but it means like. Um, yeah, the, the best word it, it, they say they use the uh, yeah charul. So I don't have to translate in English. You know, he's like um, uh, like a hard worker. Like uh, uh, he's he works hard. He's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that has a negative meaning. It's hard to translate, but yeah, yeah. A person could be lowly and be rewarded. 
Uh, so some people could be very, um, very uh, industrious. I don't know, maybe is the word, and and benefit. And some people will be diligent. Okay, that's a good one. Maybe we'll use that. Yeah. And some are diligent and they lose. Some are like lazy and they benefit. And some are lazy and they lose. Who is the person who is very diligent? I'm going to use that word. I like it. And who gets gets rewarded? David Kule Shabbata. He works all all week long. It doesn't mean he works on Shabbat. <coughs> he works all week long, right? And but uh, but he stops on Friday afternoon. He doesn't work, and he makes time for Shabbat and he, all that to get ready for Shabbat. That is a guy who is diligent, hardworking, but he gets lots of reward. Vizariz Vinifsad was a guy that works too hard and he loses out. He works till the second Shabbat starts. Right, he's still working till the second start. That's not good. Shafel ben Iskar, a guy who's lazy, but he gets rewarded. I don't work at all. I'm so strict. I'm so religious. I'm so machmir. I don't work all day long, all week long. Just so that I also don't work on Arab Shabbat. So I'm very, very strict. Okay, that's one. That's, he says he at least gets the the sachar for the afternoon for Friday afternoon. The rest of the time he doesn't get. Shabbat One guy loses out because he doesn't work all week long, but Friday afternoon he works. So why is he doing that? Yes. They're saying it's from the hour, Rashi said. Yeah, that's what Rashi said. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's hard. That's uh, that's not in your control. Like the, a lot of the poskim, they say this is talking about when it's your choice, meaning you're a contractor, you're a thing. But it, when when you're an employee, you don't have a choice. You, you, the boss tells you, well, yeah, a doctor is. Yeah, you can't. You can't. There is some. Fl- fl- that's not called melacha anyway. What a doctor does. They know it's talking about melacha. It's talking about like. Uh, like uh, construction yeah. and, and building and, and things like that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, farming. The women of Mechoza, even though they don't work on Friday afternoon, that's Mishum Mifankuta because they're Mifunaki, Mifunakot. Right? They're, they're, they're just um, spoiled. Right? So they're very dainty, spoiled people. That's why it has nothing to do with any mitzvah. Right? It says, it says, because they don't work the rest of the week either. Right? <laughs> but we're still going to give them credit that they at least don't work on Friday afternoon. Okay? Very nice. Ravara, me, Ravashot, a contradiction to Psukim. Ketiv, me, Kigadosh, Ad Shamaim Chazdecha. It says that Hashem's Chesed reaches the heaven. Ketiv, me, Kigadol, me, Al Shamaim Chazdecha. It goes beyond the heaven. So what's the difference? Haketzad, Kanbosin, Lishma, Kanbosin, Shilol, Lishma. Some people do Lishma, some people do Shilol, Lishma. If you do it for the right reason, you stopped working on Friday afternoon really for the mitzvah. You want to work, but you stopped out of uh, honor of Shabbat. That is a, uh, that, that's lishma, right? Shiloh lishma means you had your own reason. I, I really don't work at all anyway, so I'm just using excuse. Oh, it's Erev Shabbat. I'm sorry, I, I can't do it. A person should always do Torah mitzvot, even though it's not lishma. Eventually he'll become lishma. So lo lishma is also good. Not as good, you know, but, uh, but it's also good. Um, and it's ad shamayim chazdecha, but it's not, it's not me'al shamayim chazdecha. It's not beyond the, the heavens. It's only up to the heavens, uh, the, the chesed that you get from the, uh, uh, from, from Shelo Lishma. Then we'll the rabbi's thought. A person who's waiting for the, for the uh, income from his wife and from the, uh, the, the mill, the grinding mill. Okay? What is the, what is the money from the wife? 
Matkolta. So Rashi says Matkolta means that she would take a, 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 it was a very lowly job. They would go to the shuk with a, with a scale and they would offer to weigh things for people. So it was considered like, it was like being one of the people that gives samples in Costco, you know? You just sort of sit there and people come, you know. Right, so similar to that, except you got a little bit of, you got a little right? So it's, it's considered like a, very, it's very low paying. Degrading. And, and it's also degrading. And also there's Rechaya Agartha saying also if you, if you, loan out your like grinding mill for people to use also very low paying very not considered a high class job but if she actually makes things to sell right in other words or or if you're selling the uh, uh the, the you buy the uh the mill and you sell it or you buy scales and sell them that's that's a different story that's good that's good right the pasuk praises or what she makes and sells that's good it's just when you do these sort of like service that's a very very cheap service that you're getting a very little money it's considered degrading if a person is uh is is making money from it says sticks or so it's a, he says kanim are like what they made fences out of or kan kanim are like jugs you know he's selling cheap stuff Okay, so it says, Why? My time. Why won't he see a siman bacha from that? Because kevan the nafish apachzayu. Because since it looks like they're they're big, they look big, so it's very conspicuous. Shaltabu ena. So the reality is, you don't make much money from it. Right, but everyone sees it. Right, everyone sees it, and they see, "Wow, that's so big! Wow, he must be making a ton of money." That guy selling lumber, let's say, talking about like selling lumber, right? So you thought, "Wow, like I must be so rich." He's selling lumber. It's it's the the cost is so, so cheap, but it's very conspicuous. So people get jealous, and they're gonna have ayin against you. Tanu abanan, simta. The people who are selling in the corners, meaning in the alleys, they sit there and they and people all see them. They're very conspicuous. They're sitting in the middle, meaning they don't have their own shop or booth. That's set back, but they're like sitting in the middle of the street. They're selling things. Or they raise small animals who always t- they always terrorize everyone because they go into everyone's yard and pasture and they they soil things. They're bad, right? Those people they're people that chop down good trees in order to sell them for firewood. So it's like they're they're basically like ruining the environment. People don't like that. They're chopping down good trees in order to make firewood out of it. It's not good. Or they put their eyes on the best part. Meaning whenever they whenever they're giving things out they always keep the best for themselves instead you know they're giving the piece of cake they get to keep the best piece of themselves like everyone else the less piece or the, the in my house it's the tadig argument right the tadig everyone which if a kid brings a tadig to the table then they will always take onto their plate you know the best one first and then they put the rest like they like that was the sorry those are the only the, yeah the best one they take the best one put on their plate and they say here's what here's the tadig everyone you know whatever's left from what I already took right that's what it's talking about Right, so they don't say any sima bacha. Maita amad the taubo in the shape because people look at it and they 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 look down at it and they and and these are all things that bring some disgrace jealousy. and jealousy or disgrace on the person. Right, tenu rabanan dalit prutot in ben sima bacha leolam. There are four ways of making money that uh, don't have any sign of bacha. One is sechak kotvin. The people who write Sifrei Torah and Mizuzod, the people who get paid for translating the Shirim of the Rabbi, not translating it in writing, but meaning when they would stand, when the Rabbi they didn't have the uh, PA system, so the Rabbi would get up and they would say the they would say it softly, and then the guy would go and announce it loudly, right? So uh, and that's talking about like a person who is a um, 
who is uh, uh, the apotropos. He's, uh, he's in charge of the estate, right? He oversees, he manages the estate of the uh, yitomim, of the uh, orphans. It's a bad job. Or a guy who does imports and exports. We understand the guy who translates for the Rabbi. It looks like he's getting paid for Shabbat work because the rabbi would give the big drush on Shabbat and then this guy would get paid for helping translate. It looks like he's working on Shabbat. And also when it comes to the uh, managing the estate of the Yitomim, since it's so exacting, if the guy is not exactly precise in every penny, he's going to be held responsible and, and the Yitomim don't have the, don't have the ability to be mochel, to give mechilat to forgive him because they're children, right? So he's stealing from them. It's a bad job to have, right? And also import export because not, you can't rely on a miracle and you know things. There's always kind of problems like uh, the he's going back and forth traveling and he's you know there were pirates back then and there still are, but there were but it was much more prevalent back then. There were pirates. There were disasters on the sea. The Rambam's brother actually. Uh, was killed by pirates. Uh, it's, you know, he, so it, it happened. So the, um, Ella he became a doctor. He was, yeah, well, he was already a doctor, was, but he wasn't practicing. His brother yeah. was, uh, he, he wasn't practicing. He was, he, his father was supporting, his brother was supporting him, but he, he was already a doctor, but he just didn't practice. So he, um, so they, it says, Ella Sechar Kotvin. But what, why can't you write Sifrei Torah and Mizuzot? My time, I'm Rabbi Shoban Levi. It says, don't tell any of the guys that come here. They want to sell you mezuzot, right? The the observe twenty four fasts, saying that the people who write the mezuzot and tefillin should not become rich. Why not? Well, what, what, do they, what do they have against us? Because if they become rich, they're going to leave the job, and we need them. We don't want them to become wealthy. If they become wealthy, then they won't do it anymore. They won't have, you know, so if, if they're only doing it for the money. All the people who write Sfarim, Filin, Mezuzot, them and their uh, distributors and the distributors of the distributors. In other words, the wholesalers and the retailers. It's talking about, right? So all of them and everyone involved in Melechet Shamaim, things that are religious work. And similarly, to include the people who sell Techelet for Tzitzit. Right? They're not going to see any sign of Acha forever. But if they do it, they will. In other words, if they're doing it only for the money, those are the people that they didn't want to become rich because if they make money, then they're going to stop doing the mitzvah. So Hashem doesn't want them to have any Acha for that because He doesn't want them to, uh, to end up uh, quitting. But if the person is doing it, they'll do it anyway. If they become wealthy, right? Most people who really love what they're doing, they're not going to change just because they made a lot of money. They'll continue to do it. So if they love what they're doing, it's a great zechut. They'll keep doing it. They can do it. For, they can afford to do it for free. That's even better, right? Now, last part we're going to do for today. It says, "Bnei Baisha." This is a family. They would not go from Tzur to Tzidon. They wouldn't go to the market, basically, to the Shuk and Tzidon and Erev Shabbat because they wanted to honor Shabbat. The two Banayu came, but the descendants of this family came to Rabbi Yochanan. They said, "Listen, our our ancestors were very wealthy. They didn't need to go on Friday to the Shuk. They were able to make a living without working on Friday, basically, without trading. You know, doing uh, doing." Com- and fry, but we can't afford it. Amalu, he said to them, Since it is a, it's a, a minhag that they accepted in your family, you should, keep, you should keep it. Meaning it's a legitimate custom. Now, the, the, the parak is going to actually talk about in subsequent tapim certain minhagim that they had that were 
nonsense minhagim, like minhagim that were not valid at all and were just, uh, you know, had problems with them and those minhagim not. But a minhag of honoring Shabbat by not traveling to the shuk on Friday, since that was the accepted custom in the family, you should keep the custom, you should perpetuate the custom, even though it's a little bit more difficult for you, you should honor the custom of your forefathers and, and continue with that. So that's what Rabbi said. And there's going to be a lot of things in this parak that are um, that are the sources for how we treat minhagim today and how minhagim, you know, uh, uh, and what kinds of minhagim are valid or not valid and so on and, uh, and what kind of minhagim you have to observe and when you have to observe them. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah. You know,